Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, First Press. How's everybody doing today? Glorious. That's awesome. My name's Daniel. I am one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to bring uh, a short standalone message. We just wrapped up, if you've been here over the last uh, several weeks, an incredible series on the book of Revelation. And next week, we will begin a new message series entitled Love Local. You'll hear much more about what that means coming up next week. Uh, but for today, uh, I want to share a little, um, a little story very familiar from the New Testament with you. But before I do that, I want to let you know, I just got back from three weeks overseas, uh, 10 days visiting my wife's family in England, a little vacation, and then I had the chance to go and visit uh, some of our missionaries uh, in France and Spain. In fact, I got to visit Tom and Judy Kellum's uh, daughter and son-in-law over in Madrid, and then uh, Ian Rudder over in Spain, uh, or sorry, in France. Uh, Terry wasn't there, but uh, the missionaries send their greetings, and we're very grateful for a visit. So that was lots of fun. All right, as we dive in this morning, quick question. How many of you love history? All right. If I say the date February 19, 1519, does anyone know what happened on that day? No? Okay, a little. I, I want to take you to this story. It's going to be familiar. Many of you have heard it before. I want to make sure I get the details right. On February 19 and 1519, the Spanish explorer Hernan Cortes set sail from Mexico from Spain with an entourage of 11 ships, 13 horses, 110 sailors, and only 553 soldiers. You see, he was trying to take Mexico. Uh, Cortes had two failed missions. He had failed twice to take this land, and he had conquered much of the South American continent, and he sets out uh, for round three. And when he got to Mexico, the indigenous population at that time was approximately 5 million people. So from a purely mathematical standpoint, these guys were outnumbered by a ratio of 7,541 to 1. All right? The odds were against them. And, and what happens once they land in Mexico is a tell of insane courage. It's reported that the day that they landed in Mexico and all the sailors and uh, soldiers got off the ship, that Hernan Cortez set fire to all the ships. He burned the ships and basically let those who was following his leadership know retreat is not an option. Right? He burned the ships. There was no way out. They had to go forward and fight and conquer. Otherwise, they would be killed. Today, as you know, is, is a baptism weekend, uh, service at the res. And you may be wondering, what does Cortez burning ships in Mexico in 1519 have to do with water baptism? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> For me, when I, when I hear this story, it really does make me think of those moments in our life. For many, baptism is that moment where we're making a public declaration of our faith and we're saying we are aligning our hearts and our lives with Jesus. And in many ways, when we say yes to Jesus, it's almost like we are also in a, an all-or-nothing proposition. It's, uh, we're burning the ships to our past life. We're saying, you know, we are done with who we were and what we were, and we're choosing to follow Jesus. We're fully aligning ourselves, and retreat is not an option. Going back is not an option. The only thing we can do, the only appropriate response to the call of God upon our lives is to burn the ships. And our ships are different. 
right? Some of us have a past that we're struggling to let go of us or let go of. Some of us have other relationships that have been a hindrance. There's all kinds of different things that could represent the ship in your life. But my question this morning is very simple. Is there a ship that you need to burn in your own life? When you think about what it means to follow Jesus, when you think about the demands that, that he places on us, it, it costs us nothing, but yet it demands everything. Jesus invites us to fully surrender our hearts and our lives to him and trust him with all that we are. And I love thinking about how Cortez burned the ships, and it inspires faith in me to think, what does it mean for me in my walk with Jesus to go all in? To say that retreat is not an option, to let go of, of every false sense of security, Everything I might look to apart from Christ, right, for strength and comfort and to recognize, no, he is everything. Jesus is who my faith is in. Jesus is who our hope is in, right? There's no turning back. Retreat is not an option. And this morning, to look at that, I want us to examine a story that many of us are familiar with. Uh, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 to 22, is the parable of the rich young ruler, how many of you are familiar with that story? The rich young ruler. All right, we're going to read this and then kind of walk through it for a moment together. So here we go. Matthew 19, beginning in verse 16. <coughs> Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. And Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you should honor your father and mother. I mean, Jesus is straight plagiarizing Moses here. And then he adds in, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In verse 20, the rich young ruler said, all these I have kept, the young man said, what, what do I still lack? It's an interesting question when you consider the source, right? Here is a, a rich, young ruler who has everything that we consider, right, necessary for a happy life. He, had, he was rich. He had wealth. He was young. He had energy, right? He was a ruler. He had power. Yet even though he had all these things that the world would say makes us successful, he recognized that something was still lacking in his life. And it led him to ask the question, what? Do I still lack? And Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. That's a kind of sobering story, isn't it? When we, when we read this and and I don't know about you, does anyone else feel bad for the rich young ruler? When I read this story, sometimes I, I feel bad for him. It's like, you know, all these commandments. God, I've done all these things. I've kept all these commandments. What am I still missing? He felt the void. He, he understood there was a lack. And Jesus said, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. Then come and follow me. And he went away dejected and sad. I kind of think, God, what if you just started with a tithe? right? Sell 10% of your stuff and then, and then come follow me, right? It seems a little bit unreasonable in some ways for Jesus to demand that this guy sell everything. But here's what Jesus understood. The, this man's possessions 
is what was enslaving him. This man didn't have possessions. He was possessed by his possessions. Right? He had all this stuff. He had all this wealth. It was the one thing in his life he wasn't willing to surrender to Jesus. He wasn't willing to give over to Christ. But I think the story teaches us that when it comes to following Jesus, either he's Lord of all or he's not really Lord at all. Right? We, we want to pick and choose what we surrender to him. We we'll say, Jesus, you can have this or this, but, but not this or that. But Jesus demands everything, full surrender, that we give everything to him, that we submit our hearts and lives to his leadership, no matter what it costs. I love the saying that Mark Batterson has. He says, we cheapen the gospel when we tell people that they can buy, they can, um, we cheapen the gospel when we tell people they can buy in without selling out. And I think that's what was going on in this story. You see, the rich young ruler had bought in to Jesus. He, he recognized Jesus' leadership. He recognized his authority. He recognized him as a teacher. He had bought into him on some level. But when it came down to it, he wasn't willing to sell out for him. Right? And Jesus loved the rich young ruler to demand anything less. And the reason, as I was thinking about it, the reason why I often feel bad for the rich young ruler is I'm focused on everything Jesus is asking him to give up. I focus on what Jesus is asking him to surrender rather than focusing on everything Jesus is offering him. Right? Jesus was offering him all of himself. He was offering him life. He was offering him a relationship with the living creator of the world. He was inviting him into the greatest adventure of his life. And, and it's like the, the pearl of great price. You know, the, when you find it, you sell the field. You sell everything to obtain this one thing. And Jesus understood that what he was offering him was worth way more than what he was asking him to give up, what he was asking him to surrender. I think Jesus wanted this rich young ruler and, and perhaps us today to understand that retreat is not an option. Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, he who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back, is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. Again, there's no looking back. There's no retreating. Safety is not an option. Playing it safe is not an option. Jesus is inviting us to go all in with him. But he was trapped by his possessions. I read a story recently about monkey trappers. Anyone ever think about how they trap monkeys? There's lots of different ways, but one of the ways is really interesting, really unique. I read the story how these monkey trappers will take these gourds and they'll hollow out the gourd and inside they'll put all these delicious uh, seeds that the monkey loves and they'll, they'll take these gourds and, and, and attach them to a stake in the ground that the monkey can't move. And then they just go away, the trappers go away and eventually the monkeys will come out of the jungle, they'll come out from their hiding, they smell these, these seeds, this delicious fruit, this, this wonderful taste, and, and they go, and the hole is just big enough that they can fit their hand into it. But when they grab the seed and try to pull their hand out and they have a fist, they're stuck in the gourd, right? They won't, they can't get it back out with a fist. They can only get it back out with an open hand. But when these trappers come back out, instead of the monkeys recognizing they're in danger and running to save their lives, they refuse to let go of their seeds, therefore they're caught, in their own lives, it's much the same. We are trapped by what we hold on to. We are trapped 
by what we refuse to surrender, by what we refuse to give up. And for each one of us, that might be something different. But I believe that this morning, as we think about heading over to the res and, and seeing these 10 beautiful souls who are taking a step of faith to get water baptized, may it remind us of our own commitment to Christ. As we think about when we said yes to him, when we decided to surrender our hearts and lives because of the prompting of the guidance and the pooling of the Holy Spirit. But over time, what I found in my own life, and perhaps it might be true in your life as well, is over time we begin to try to hold on to things in our lives that we don't really want to surrender to Christ. And sometimes it's because we're possessed by our possessions or, or we're possessed by our status or our title or, or whatever it may be. It owns us. We don't own it. And sometimes I think the Lord wants us to take stock of where we are in our faith, where we are in our walk with him, and to ask the question, is there anything I'm holding on to that I need to let go of? Is there anything I've grabbed my hand around, my knuckles around, and declared that this is mine when you say, I want you to trust me with this, whatever it is? You see, we can trust him because he's good. We often think he's taking stuff from us, but he's not. He's just inviting us into a deeper level of trust and intimacy, right? He wants us to open our hands and trust him with everything that he's given us, every blessing that he's given us. Are we really willing to walk in full surrender? Because that's what following Christ requires. It requires absolute surrender. Everything we are, everything we have, and for those who are going to get baptized later today, they're making that declaration. I am choosing to align my heart and life with Christ. He's called me. He's drawn me. And I've said yes to him. And retreat is not an option. The only option when it comes to following Jesus is to burn the ships. Right? To say there, there's no turning back. I've been touched. I've been changed. I will not. I cannot go back to who I was, to how I lived, because things are different. And as we read the story of the rich young ruler, it's interesting that he, he lists all these, Jesus gives him all these commands. And he says, I've done all that. But what do I still lack? Right? What do I still lack? He recognized that even though he had kept the commandments, even though he had good behavior, Jesus shows him in this moment that being good isn't enough. See, Jesus doesn't call us to simply follow the rules. He invites us to follow him. It's not about being good. It's about recognizing that we have a good Savior, right? And that it's not about who we are or what we've done. It's about who he is and what he's done for us in his life, death, and resurrection. It's recognizing that all Jesus wants from us is our heart, our love, our adoration, because he knows this, that whenever he has our hearts, we will naturally begin to move in his will. Not because we're following a list of rules and regulations about what it means to be a Christian or to live by faith, but because we love our Savior. It changes something inside of us, the motivation for what we're doing. And, and Jesus wanted the rich young ruler to understand it's not about following the rules. That's religion. It's about stepping into relationship with our Savior and following him, and saying yes to him, and saying to him that I will follow you no matter what. I'll burn the ships. I'll leave the past behind. Jesus, I'm all in. So the question this morning is very simple. 
how, how do you identify with the rich young ruler? Is there something in your own heart, in your life, that you're holding back? Is there, is there an area that you've refused to surrender to him? And the invitation this morning is very simple. Would you say yes once again to your Savior? Whatever it is that he's putting his finger on in your life, would you be willing to open your hand and say, God, I trust you with everything, with all that I am and all that I have. Jesus, I trust you. See, the rich young ruler had bought in to who Jesus was, but he hadn't sold out. And let us not cheapen the gospel by believing we can buy in without selling out, without saying, no, it's not about... He was following the rules. He wasn't following Jesus. So I believe, as I was praying about this morning and the message that God wanted me to share, which is a simple, simple message, it was just the invitation that we heard at the end of Revelation. Come. Come. He understands the struggle. He understands how hard it is to surrender certain things. He understands our, our human compulsion to hold on to things that we think will give us a false sense of security. But this morning, I believe the Spirit of God would simply say, would you come? Once again, like you did all those years ago, come to me. Come to me. Come and surrender. Burn the ships. No retreat. Let's go all in in our faith and our walk with Christ. So as I close this in prayer this morning before we have one last worship song, I just want you to think about this simple question. Is there a ship in your life that needs to go up in flames? Is there something that represents a false sense of security, the place that you retreat that isn't running to Christ when things are hard, but you have some other direction you run? Jesus wants to be everything for you because he is everything for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word and for the simple message that we can glean from the, the story of the rich young ruler. God, thank you that you love us too much to demand anything less than all we are and all we have. And Lord, we confess this morning that following you is sometimes scary. Surrender is sometimes scary. But Lord, we ask that you would help us to fully trust in your character and your goodness. Because when we're convicted about your goodness, Lord, it's easy to surrender. It's easy to walk in faith. It's easy to trust. So Lord, we pray today that for each and every one of us, would you give us a fresh revelation of who you are, a fresh glimpse into your glory. And your glory is your goodness. So Lord, we pray that if there's something in our own life where we're holding back, or playing it safe, would you give us the courage to identify and burn those ships so that we may follow you bravely, courageously, and wholeheartedly? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as we have our closing hymn this morning?